0: Hey friend, thanks so much for meeting me here at Frothy Monkey in beautiful downtown Franklin, Tennessee. It's a great place to get a good cup of joe and share together in some good conversation. Anyway, be looking at the menu. I know you're new here. Decide what you want. Text it to me. I'm going to go ahead and get in line and place our order. Hey, you're listening to Guat. Rocks, God, the world and other things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission is always advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Well, friend, this is episode 106, Revelation chapter 6, the great day. Keep in mind, dear friend, that it is established that there is a specific day coming set aside for the outpouring of God's wrath on the ungodly. I'm going to remind you of this several times through the rest of the evaluation and the look at the book of Revelation because it's hard for us to keep in mind that the book of Revelation tells us that the wrath of God is coming against the ungodly and not his chosen people. So however it shakes down, that you and I have got to keep in mind that God's wrath, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, his wrath will not be poured out against you. And so when we see the things happening with the bowls and the vials and the breaking of the seals, These are things that God is doing to the ungodly. That's not to say there will not be death of the Christian. The Bible makes it clear in the great day of the Lord that there will be great martyrdom among the saints. But friend, always, always, always keep in mind that martyrdom is not the end. It is the beginning of eternal life in Jesus Christ in a very real place called heaven to where you and I, if you know Jesus as your Savior, we will spend eternity in a place of eternal day a place just as real as this earth that we walk on. We will live in resurrected, glorified bodies. So that always has to stay on in front of us because the days that are approaching, if you and I are chosen to live in those days, it's going to be a time of great intensity. If our minds are not focused on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, we will be dislodged from our position. We will be taken down. And we we will, as I've said in the podcast previously, we will be proven to have been a fake, perhaps even proven to ourselves. And so it is of utmost importance that we grasp what is being said and allow it to penetrate our hearts today. The great day. It's set in time. John sees it unfolding as if it has already happened. It is going to be an incomparable future time characterized by world domination and destruction. And the key phrase we're going to center our thoughts around today is the passage in chapter six, where it says, the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? And that is issued as a rhetorical question. In other words, no one is able to stand. So let's get right into it. Revelation chapter six, then I saw the lamb open one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, come, I looked and there was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, a crown was given to him, and he went out as a conqueror in order to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse went out, a fiery red one, and its rider was allowed to take peace from the earth so that the people would slaughter one another. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse went out, a fiery one. And its rider was allowed to take peace from the earth, so that people would slaughter one another, and a large sword was given to him. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come, and I looked, and there was a black horse. Its rider held a set of scales in his hand. Then I heard something like a voice from among the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius but do not harm the oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the living creature say, Come. And I looked, and there was a pale green horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following after him. They were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill by the sword, by famine, by plague, and by the wild animals of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar... The souls of those who had been slaughtered because of the word of God and the testimony they had given. They cried out with a loud voice, Lord, the one who is holy and true, how long until you judge those who live on the earth and avenge our blood? So they were each given a white robe, and they were told to rest a little while longer until the number would be completed of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters who were going to be killed just as they had been. Then I saw him open the sixth seal. A violent earthquake occurred. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of hair. The entire moon became like blood. The stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its unripe figs when shaken by a high wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the nobles, the generals, the rich, the powerful— And every slave and free person hid in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, because the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Friend, we are living on borrowed time. Mankind is living on a line of credit from the bank account of God's grace. Sinful man is not experiencing God's wrath at this very moment because he chooses not to act. God chooses not to act. Matthew 18 verse 14 says, In the same way your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish, should be lost. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 7 says, By the same word the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. One day, though, God is going to call in our line of credit from His make-account-of-grace which he has extended to sinful man, and the overwhelming majority of mankind will only be able to pay God back with the wages they have earned from sin, which is death. God has placed it in the heart of man to know that there is a time coming when the bank account of grace must be reconciled. The concept of a final judgment day for mankind is a common theme that weaves itself through diverse cultures in human history. Previously, in chapters 1 through 5, we were introduced to the main characters of the final drama of human history the four living creatures, the 24 elders, the triune God, seen as the one who sits on the throne, the seven spirits before the throne, and the Lamb. Now in Revelation chapter 6, we find the introduction of the great day, which gives us a dramatic overview of the final judgment of God, which is to come upon all the earth. I feel that chapter 6, which features the Lamb breaking open six of the seven seals, is a summary of the course of events that take place with the opening of the seventh seal in chapter 8. The actual scroll of judgment cannot be opened until all seven seals are broken. Think about that, friend. Think about it. Listen to what is going to take place. And I want to keep this in mind, that we really need to throw the concept of modern chronology out the window. Because keep in mind that what John saw were all of these events really happening all at the same time, images within images, over images, and all of these images flooding at him. And his mind was focusing in on thing after thing after thing, but yet to draw tight conclusions about chronology cannot be done. The important thing to do is to keep in mind these are the things that are coming. And God is the one who is bringing them, and he is bringing bringing them to the ungodly. Chapter 6 gives us the overall flavor of the great day of the Lord. Let's look at it. So the focus I really want to drill down on for just a moment is that phrase, that the great day of their wrath, it has come, and who is able to withstand it. Again, I say it's an incomparable future time characterized by world domination and destruction, the great day. So, friend, we see with the sixth seal that the very foundation of the universe is shaken. There is a violent earthquake. The sun itself turns black. The entire moon turns a blood-like color. The very stars of heaven fall to earth. <laughs> the sky is split apart, and every, it says, every mountain and island was moved from its place. Friend, with the sixth seal, catastrophic Physical failure of the universe comes. In Psalm chapter 18, verse 7, it says, The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Hebrews 12, 26 says, His voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The prophetic words of Jesus said that the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And that's in what we call the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24. The great day is also going to be a time as i set said of world domination and destruction. And it's manifested primarily in the release of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. With the first seal that's broken, the white horse ensues. The context demands that this is not a reference to Christ, as we see in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, but rather world conquest, culminating in the world domination by the Antichrist. The red horse signifies war, bloodshed, violent murder, and the black horse representing famine and mourning. Friend, I want to remind you that war plus hyperinflation plus scarcity of goods equals famine. So famine like the world has never seen and mourning is coming. And the pale horse appears, and it says that it's death perfected, that one-fourth of the world population will be destroyed by the long sword, by famine, by plague and wild beasts. Think about this friend. Right now, the world population stands at approximately eight billion people. If the time of the four horsemen of the apocalypse occurs today, that would mean, in a very swift moment, that two billion people's lives would be destroyed. Let me give you a context of what that means. Many years ago, in a previous ministry of mine, we had a married couple that had children that bought a Honda Goldwing motorcycle, one of the large street bikes, for touring. They had never owned a motorcycle in their lives. The man's mother had begged him not to buy the motorcycle. She said, you're too old and you have children to consider. If something happens to you, they will be left... Without parents, but they bought the bike against the mother's wishes. They enrolled in a road rally that was to take place driving over Mount Magazine in Arkansas. Mount Magazine, which is over 2,700 feet in height, is the largest point between the Smokies and the Rockies. People don't realize that, but there's a large mountain in Arkansas called Mount Magazine. And the road rally was to be a Saturday event where the people started at the base and drove over the mountain to the other side. It was an all-day event. On the road, they came to checkpoint five. The people were not there. They didn't show up. So people started looking for this couple on this new gold wing that they had just purchased. They were nowhere to be found. So they had to halt the search because of darkness. They resumed on Sunday morning. They finally found the couple. They had gone off the cliff, one of the cliffs on one of the curves, lost control of the motorbike, launched the bike, Their bodies were thrown from the bike at over 100 feet in the air in one of the exceptionally tall pines, and the motorcycle itself landed down at the base of that cliff. Their bodies were in the trees. They had been in the trees for less than a day. A friend of mine who was the South Sebastian County coroner at the time, named Jackie, was the one who had to go and retrieve the bodies and pronounce them dead. He said that when he found the bodies, they were in the trees. The only thing that had happened to them is both of them had their necks broken when they hit the tree. He said that their bodies were so infested with insects within that less than 24-hour period that they were putrefied and they stunk. He said that he had to take their bodies and put them in the body bag. And he said that they had chemicals that, that they put on the bodies to absorb the odor. He covered them in the chemicals. He then had to put them in a second body bag with the chemicals and he said that the stench was so powerful that he had all the windows open in the hearse on the ride back to Greenwood, Arkansas and they could not be uh, embalmed. They had to be encapsulated inside the casket so that the stench would not overwhelm the people at the funeral to honor their death and their life. He said that the smell was so horrendous He said he had to take his clothes and burn his clothes. And it took him days for that odor to leave his nostrils. He asked me, he said, Kenny, have you ever smelled the smell of a dead cow? And I said, no. He said, some say that it is the worst odor that a human can inhale. And he said the smell of those two people's bodies that rotted through infestation of insects within a day, he said, was beyond that of a dead cow. Now, friend, I don't say that to be morbid or disrespectful, but the bottom line is that putrefaction of those two people's bodies that were not broken open by injury, the insects that entered into their mouths, the stench was unbearable of two people's deaths in the summer in Arkansas. My friend, can you imagine? it? No, let me say this. We really cannot imagine what the world scene is going to be like When two billion people are slaughtered through famine, through war, through bloodshed, through violent murder, through lack of food, the breakdown is going to be so massive and so putrefied that you will not be able to go anywhere on the planet without smelling the smelling of death. So we see with the fifth seal, the martyrdom of the saints and the saints crying out looking for restitution, and the Bible says that they were given rest until the time and the completion of the people destined to be martyred. Friend, do you realize that there is a number of people who, by God Almighty, the Holy One of Israel, He has to destine that a certain number of people will be slaughtered as saints in martyrdom? We've got to rethink our attitude and our actions towards God that martyrdom is a part of his plan. We don't fully understand it, but here's the good news. It is only a brief moment. It It is not an eternity of destruction in hell. And so we have almighty God to thank for his mercies and his kindness to us. The second aspect, the great day, what of their wrath? It is God's aggressive and angry judgment against sinful man. Always remember that it's God's great day, not Satan's that the there there is talking about God and the Lamb, and it's their wrath. The Lamb is the one who starts all the action with the breaking of each seal. And keep in mind, again, it is the judgment against sinful man. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10 says, Jesus rescues us from the coming wrath. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 says, God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who of us has not said, I wonder why God lets things like that happen when we see some sort of tragedy or terror or hatefulness or murder or violence? But friend, let me remind you, the seven-year tribulation period is proof that God doesn't let people get away with anything. God, not Satan, is the director of this final act of the three-act play of human history. The final portion of this verse, it says, It has come. It's emphatic. It has come. And who is able to withstand it? Talking about the great day of the Lord. So it's emphatic. It is a certain and all engulfing event. But I want to ask you, think about this. Who made this statement? It says they cried out during chapter 6, verse 15. Who are they? The kings, important people, generals, the rich, the powerful, the free, the slaves. And the question they pose is rhetorical. It needs no answer for it is clearly understood that no one is able to withstand the great day of the Lord. Yes, one day God will withdraw the line of credit on His grace, but the good news is that there is a beneficiary list on the account. The list consists of those who have received the deposit of God's Holy Spirit, which was placed in their heart when they trusted in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. Their inheritance will be eternal life, never to face God's terrible wrath. And with that, I bid you peace.